Thank you for listening to the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. This podcast is designed to provide you with a brief update on what's going on in the Football Index stock market every single day. To improve your returns even further, then check out footballindexclub.co.uk where you will receive instant access to highlighted players, trading advice, databases, and also analysis on the players of your choice. You can use code PODCAST50 with a capital P to receive 50% off your first month. Hello and welcome to episode 201 of the Football Index Club Daily Podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Kevin, Index Moneyball again, and we're going to be discussing the recent announcement even further. It's been 10 days now since that announcement, and we'll go over a few other things Football Index related, as always. So how are you doing today, Kevin, and welcome to the podcast. I'm doing all right, considering the situation, I think, with the United game. (laughs) Yeah, poor gamer uh, from Man United anyway. It didn't play particularly well. I wasn't able to watch it all, but any overall opinions on Man United and their players? Well, I think it's obviously it's it's a negative thing overall, but maybe the only positive that could come out of it is it demonstrates the weakness in our squad without us having to miss out on the Champions League. I, I think I'd rather... Because obviously, if you get the final, doesn't mean you're going to win the trophy. So I'd rather uh, make a Champions League spot and have that as our bad performance and finish with the last couple of games and, and get into the Champions League. So, And that's going to hopefully motivate the board to go out and buy some other players. Yeah, I suppose going into the transfer window, everything had seemed so positive for Man United and you looked so set to just kick on next season and really compete. So I guess one loss and in the FA Cup, which is a competition that you may not care as much about, could possibly be a good thing, but we'll wait and see with that. Yeah, I think I would always like to win the FA Cup. It's a good, good cup, obviously. But and, and I was, I'm, I'm disappointed because Arsenal beat City, and I thought that obviously we had a good chance if we got past Chelsea to to win the, the cup, and it would have been good for Solskjaer to do that. But like, I do, I do think the, the team they put out they didn't deserve to win because that's a very, even though that's technically our second string to me, they're a very weak side. Yeah, what do you reckon to like the FA Cup and the financial side of things? Because for me personally, I mean, I'm still pretty young, like 21, but I remember the years where the FA Cup would be the biggest thing. I remember FA Cup final, I'd always have my mates round and it'd be like just such a big tournament and there'd be so much excitement around it. And I feel like that isn't so prevalent today because the money involved isn't so great, especially compared to positions that teams finish in the Premier League or the Champions League. Do you think there is less of an incentive now to win the FA Cup? And what do you think that means for like football fans in general? I have to say it's becoming more similar to the Caribou Cup, like in terms of interest for me anyway. Mm. Um, I just see it. The early stages are always interesting because you've got all the lower league teams, but I think the gulf, like inequality in football is getting bigger and bigger, same as it is the rest of the world. Um, and I think it's so much harder for the lower leagues to compete beyond the championship. That yeah. You don't get those surprises that you used to get that made the FA Cup special. Yeah, it's definitely a shame. I remember Wigan, Portsmouth. There was a few teams winning it uh, not that long ago. They, they were the days, but I don't know. Maybe we'll see that again. I, I can't really remember who's won it over the last few years. But I think one thing is, one thing is for sure that teams seem less interested in it than they used to be. Like in the past, you wouldn't have Man United resting a few players or playing the team like they did today. I don't really think you would if it wasn't for the whole 
financial aspects. But anyway, we'll move on to football index. So how's your beat, how's your week been, first of all, on, on the index? Um, I've not been going on as much recently just because I feel like it's almost sadistic to keep watching it because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be painful for a while. I haven't got any money to invest. Um, if I had money, I would be loving it right now. And I'm kind of gutted they've, they've introduced the changes this week where they've reduced the bid window, which I think is a good change, but I just wish I'd have got more money in before they did it. I think that's definitely a positive move. Um, and one thing that I was thinking about that I think would actually be a good strategy for the index to try and resolve some of the issues that they're having is if they keep the window at say 25, 30%, but then they have an instant sell price that the, that the index will pay you, same as the old instant sell, which is a, a limit. So say if, it's, if no one's gonna bid 30% below or more, then the index has to buy your shares at that price from you. Yeah, that'd be a good introduction. Um, I mean, at least then you'd have an instant sell price on every every player, which is what we kind of need. Um, so yeah, and also if it did have a widespread, maybe that would be okay for them in terms of the amount of money that they'd be making um, in terms of commission. So yeah, that wouldn't be bad at all. I can't see Football Index doing that though. I'm not really sure how it works with the liquidity and the market makers. I think there's some sort of rules involved. Um, so it's a difficult one, but we have seen some more market makers be introduced this week and there has been a lot of money going to those top end players so far but the liquidity at the low end of the market is still uh, very low really there isn't that many players being bought in terms of your lower priced players then have you uh, you bought anyone else recently or have you spent all your money already on match bids uh, I've got a lot of bids waiting to go through and I've tra- I've I've picked up some more of most of the players I already owned. I've not really bought any new ones, apart from mm. Sobersly, but he's not really cheap. Um, and I've been topping up Barrow as well because he scored again last week. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a, there's there's no lower end. There's just so many players right now that I would buy for the kind of sell price if I had the money. I don't. I feel like it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel with the new dividend table and the prices. If, if you're getting someone on a, you know, like. A friend of mine got Vidal for 15p um, and, you know, he scored, I think he scored a, or got an assist a few days later and I was like, that's that's like a 5% return or something straight away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, as long as you can sell them, it's great trading. That's the difficulty though with the lower end. But if they did introduce something where you could sell players back to, back to Football Index, that'd be a really good introduction. I think that's what pretty much everyone really wants. Longer term, hopefully, the market will grow so much that there won't be liquidity issues and that players will be able to be sold um, without any problems. So I guess that's what we're all hoping for. So have you got any ideas or other things that you think Football Index could do to introduce um, more liquidity? Or was that the the big idea that you was on about earlier? Yeah, I think that would be it. I think they definitely, because they've always been the kind of market maker themselves and they've always put a floor for the instant sell price. And it was usually three to 10%. So mm. I, don't, I can't see it being a loser for them to set it at 30% below and just fix it there and say, okay, we're not buying anyone from more than 30% below, but you can all put bids in above that. I yeah, feel I like think that would be a that great, would, go on. Sorry, I was just gonna say, that would give people security that they know that, okay, the worst I'm gonna do here is lose 30% on the value of whatever time it is that I sell. Because you can lose more than that, of course you can, if the price goes down. But it at least gives people a floor. And I think the minute 
the problem's not necessarily there's no money around, it's that people don't know what's going to happen and they're kind of waiting for more updates before they make any moves. Yeah, I guess the problem is a lot of people don't want to be stuck on shares like they can't sell at all. Um, and that is a problem at the moment because what if you do need to pull out of mo pull money out and there's some players that literally have no instant sell, I believe. And then there are players which have like instant sell prices that are 100% uh, lower so like players that are like 50p a lot of them have instant sell prices of 25p or so so it is difficult uh, what i've been thinking about lately over the last few weeks really is actually how lucky well not lucky because it was part of our bet and it was so good for us but how privileged in a way we were to actually have that instant sell function because in the past it basically meant that no matter who you bought you always had the odds were like in your favor in so many ways because the upside was always so much greater than the potential downside because the potential downside may be only like 10% at worst. Then the upside on most like young players could be like a thousand percent. Whereas that's, that's gone now. And it's weird. I've never really talked about that so much before. Um, whereas now we don't have that. So it is being talked about, I guess. I think that's part of the reason why they've really been pushing recently saying, oh, do you understand that this is a betting platform and you can lose all of your stake? And, and that's the way I think of it now is I, every time I buy a player, I think of it more as a bet than as an investment when I used to. And I still, I mean, I still class bets as investments because you still have a, you know, probability of return and a risk. But so for instance, if I'm buying like a low end player for 20p and I think they potentially could make 100%, then I just see that as like an even money bet. Mm. And what you also potentially could get some of your stake back if you're wrong. Yeah, I think that's definitely a better way to look at it. I think a lot of people are going to be a little bit more conservative with some players and there will be. That's another reason why there is less liquidity down there. And just because those bets are kind of like putting a 30 to 1 on because a lot of those players aren't going to return dividends. And actually having a look at the dividend yields lately, the majority of players sort of under two pounds or so haven't returned a dividend in their life but if you select the right ones then you're going to be getting insane dividend returns as i've said on the podcast last week Alan Ogley would have returned like 20 percent his price has now increased that dividend yield would probably be quite a bit lower but if you pick the right players the returns are still absolutely insane so that's what it's all about now so in terms of your trading right we've like players like Musa Barrow Dominic Sabosley how much do you look into the dividend yields and do you have like any predictions of how much these players will earn in dividends over the next two or three seasons? Or are you focusing still on the capital appreciation side even more? For, for those players, I, I buy them purely because I think they can win dividends. And if this like, I mean, Sobosly obviously he's not played in a PB league yet, but based on his stats, he would be very well suited to the, to the PB table. Mm. And Arrow, I know when he when he gets a game winning goal, he's always like up and about the uh, the top of the PB. And also, if he scores two goals, the one time he has scored two goals, he won the the dividends. So I don't see him as a risk because of the fact that first of all, he scores a lot of goals anyway. If he ever scores two, he's probably going to win. And if he scores one, that's a game winning goal, then there's a good chance he's going to win, especially if it's a silver or a bronze day. And I usually try and aim for players who, if they win a star man on a goal day, it's about ten percent return and if it's someone who i think is going to be really good at pb but isn't playing in a pb like Sobolai, i'll probably aim for it to be five percent or more return if they want to star man 
depends yeah. on the age, obviously, because the, the younger they are, the more potential for improvement there is. So, Yeah, I think this is another thing. Without the five leagues all playing at the moment, it's hard to really see the players earn like 10% of their price week after week. Um, one player I actually highlighted on Football Index Club earlier today, I don't mind sharing this, is Maxwell Cornett. And I know you're a big fan of him. He was one of your tips. Uh, I think you highlighted him at a pretty low price and then he went on to earn dividends. But he had a peak price of £1.44 back in February. PB average across his last eight games is 138 he has been playing at left wing back, which could be a bit detrimental, especially if he does end up having a positional change. But having a look at his dividend yield over the last, well, this season, it was like 7.8% or so. Got the uh, Champions League as well, Leon 1-0 up against Juventus. So the thing is, there's players like Maxwell Cornet who are going to return like 7 to maybe 15% of the price on the back of one game if they do stand out. And if you're patient with those, you're going to get a really good return. He's still relatively young as well. Do you still hold him out of interest? Yeah, I do, and I would, I'm actually thinking of buying more of him because I think he might get a move just because... Well, I, I think we talked about this on the podcast before. With Corne, it's uh, and, and all the rest of the Leon players, I think it's almost like a win-win scenario where they're not in, in Europe, which is obviously a negative, but because of that, I feel like they're going to have to sell some of the better players, which is either going to open up more opportunities with players like Corne or they're going to get sold. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that... Still in Europe for this season, but for next season, uh, I know that's what you meant. Um, but just for anyone listening, uh, yeah, so they're not in Europe for next season, um, which is obviously going to lead to them having a better chance of possibly selling players. The other thing is Liga Earn returning next month. I think some of those players may get a rise because they've not risen as much as the other leagues. Any other Liga Earn players that stand out to you off the top of your head? Um, I don't watch much League One. Um... The players that I like are mainly from Lyon. So I like Bertrand Traore and I like Martin Terrier. Um, I think Carl Toko Camby is a good buy. Because oh, yeah. I think Dembele is going to leave. And I think Depay probably is going to leave as well. So, and then um, there's a few others, but I'm not, I'm drawing a blank on them right now. Yeah, you got the whole Lyon squad there, to be honest. Yeah, Kim Pembe <laughs> was one that I was looking at. Um, he was playing pretty well and they've just sold Kouassi. So I think Kimpembe is going to get a lot of games next year. Kimpembe at PSG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was one of my uh, players as well. Have, have you been checking out the Football Index Club players lately or was that just your individual research as well? No, I actually tipped him on my Patreon a while ago. Um, yeah. And I've been trying to buy him since. I don't think I actually own that much of him, but I do think he's a good player. And I think his PB scoring looks really good. Yeah, I don't hold it myself. In fact, I don't hold any of the players that I've been highlighting on the site lately. Um, I wish I did a lot of them. Probably should should buy them, really, because uh, I think they're cracking, cracking suggestions. Uh, but yeah, Kim Pembe was one, I think, five days ago. He already went up like four or five P, which is good to see. But yeah, his PB is really good. Thiago Silva leaving next season. That's going to be really good for him, of course. I think he's got a decent chance of earning matchday dividends. Another centre-back that I actually posted about recently was Laporte because he had a shocker yesterday against Arsenal but if you have a look at his average passes per game like 80 I think it was 86 passes per game per 90 um, if he gets more game time I think he's in with a chance of earning matchday dividends at some point due to having such a high base PB score and there's quite a big spread on him at the minute so we'll see what happens with that one yeah I think that's a good pick I mean Laporte for me would be the first name on the sheet for the defenders or the centre-backs at, at City, or at least he was earlier in the season. I, I don't think they're going to sign enough players in the transfer window for him to be dropping out of the team. 
No, and he is one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League. I know he's not been great since he returned from injury, and he has been out most of the season. There's also the argument that he was a lot better playing with Vincent Company at the back, which I think you can make a strong case for. But ultimately, he's shown his quality in the past. I think a lot of people would say he's probably the second best centre-back in the Premier League after Van Dijk. And if he can regain that form that he showed last season, I have no doubt he'll earn plenty of matchday dividends in the future. Anyway, um, is there anything else really you want to talk about in this podcast? It's just been a brief update on the market. I guess the transfer window is the thing that I was, I'm kind of looking forward to the most. I think that that's what we need to kind of freshen up the market a bit and get it going. Because at the minute with the like fractured games every day, but not like necessarily gold days, like even Saturday yesterday wasn't a gold day, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird. Um, and then the Champions League's not being played in the Europa League, which normally would be midweek. And it's just kind of all over the place. And I think once it gets to the fact that once football has actually ended for the summer and people are starting to speculate about transfers, I feel like that's going to bring a bit more excitement back. And then when the new season starts, hopefully, I think probably when the new season starts, that's not going to really do much. But then I think once the Europa group stages and the Champions League group stages starts, that's when I think you'll start seeing a lot of activity. Yeah, hopefully the market would have sorted itself out by then as well. Um, The thing is with the transfers, which I'm a little bit worried about, is just the sort of, I I guess I'm not worried about it, but what I imagine is anyone who doesn't really get the transfer links will stay pretty stagnant. Whereas in the past, you'd have players rising in price due to the speculation and hype around them possibly gaining transfer links. But I don't think we're going to see that anymore. I think what we'll see is spreads to be really wide on a lot of these transfer players. I've noticed that most players in non-PB leagues have particularly wide spreads at the minute. And then once the transfer links develop, that's when the spreads will tighten. And so that's going to be a really profitable way to trade is buying into those players at the wide spreads. If you can get a matched bid, wait for a transfer. Once a transfer comes along, the player's price may not necessarily rise, but the spread's almost certainly going to tighten. And then if you sell at the uh, tighten spread at a higher uh, bid uh, higher bid than you bought you can make a good bit of profit yeah and I think I think a big part of my current strategy for Football Index is the knowledge that Football Index can't afford for it to stay the way it is so they have to fix it no matter what mm. they do and they keep trying different things that help a little bit and people are complaining a lot like oh that wasn't good enough but at the end of the day Football Index have no choice but to rectify the situation eventually no matter, like, and, and that's why I suggested the putting the floor underneath the player. And personally, I think if if they made it twenty percent below the the buy price, that would probably tighten things up enough to stimulate growth again and give people enough because people can probably live with losing twenty percent. Yeah, definitely. I think the market would be flying if that was if that was possible. It'd be absolutely incredible. I do agree. I think football index will do something. Um, obviously, we don't have. Phase two yet, NASDAQ technology, as if you were things they're going to be implementing as well. So once all of that comes in, that's going to change a lot. Um, but yeah, they're going to do something over the next few weeks and months because the market still isn't moving as much as it should. Over the last few days, we have seen quite a bit of growth. Keepers have risen a huge amount. That's another point, actually. Any views on keepers? Do you hold any or have you just avoided them? I've just avoided them, but... Um... I have read your blogs on keepers and I, I do think there is value there. And I think people are definitely looking in the wrong places. As soon as I saw uh, the keepers announcement and I saw like Edison and Allison flying, I was like, but they barely touched the ball. Like those are not the keepers you want. You want like relegation battle keepers. Cause when they keep a clean sheet, even though they 
you know, had 20 shots against them. Those, those are the players who are going to win dividends, probably. Yeah, there's a, a lot of value out there, the keepers. My blog's basically, I'd say the general thing from my blogs was that it's lower priced, particularly young keepers that will be playing in PB leagues in the future, which are actually going to return the most of their price. There's, there's plenty that were like under 40p, which have a really strong chance of breaking into a PB league side that were being neglected. And I think one of the main reasons for that is because people tend to jump onto index gain and index edge, and rightly so. Um, to try and find the keepers which have hit like high PB averages or the statistics. But really, that wasn't, in my opinion, where the value was after a few days, after a few of those players had already risen. And so sometimes you got to just take your research even further and find those players elsewhere. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think we'll wrap it up for today's episode. It's been good speaking to you as always. So I really do appreciate you coming on. It makes the podcast a bit more um, interactive and just a lot better, really. So I do always appreciate it. Uh, huge amount. Any final words, Kevin? No, I think just uh, everyone just stay strong and uh, don't get too frustrated by the situation at the minute. I do think it's going to change because, like I say, football index don't make any money if there's no movement in the market. So it's not going to be like this forever. Absolutely. It's a transitional phase and we'll get there eventually. Give it a few months and the market will hopefully be booming, but we'll wait and see. Thanks again, Kevin. I thank everyone who has listened to this episode as always, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.